Hey there, this is episode two of our podcast and welcome to Odes to the Lost and Found. If you've been tuning in since day one, thank you. I appreciate it so much, but if you're new here, then hello. We talk about pretty much anything in this podcast, but to those that might not know the concept, I basically read DMs, or in this case, lost letters, in hopes that one day, through this platform, they'll be found. Okay, now, this episode, I think a lot of people might relate to it. Maybe some of you have experienced this, or at least know someone who has, but I know that I myself have. (laughs) This is something that many of us don't really tend to open up about until years after we've been through it or realized it, and for reasons we might never know, but today... We'll talk about it. Again, this is going to be pretty lengthy, so I'm going to read the letter now. Hello, I really liked the concept of the podcast, so I thought, why should I hold myself back from writing something? Then I recalled the details of what I was writing about. Now, I realized why, for years, I decided to bury these and never dig them up ever again. And as I was writing this, I had to pause a few times. Revisiting them meant I'd face the pain I never thought I could ever relive again. The pain of remembering where it all went wrong, and the pain of knowing it was the furthest we could go. Like everyone else, I've also had my fair share of a rough first heartbreak. My, the one that got away. And like everyone else, my story is no different. Maybe even less dramatic or painful than some. I knew him at church. I've always seen his face around, ever since I was little. Maybe even younger than what I remember. Our moms eventually became friends, but for years, we never really talked to each other. We were so young, third or fourth graders, walking on eggshells whenever the others closed by. My young heart obviously never really knew its capabilities at such a young age. I would get all giddy when both our moms would tease us together the next year. Boy, we were awkward as hell, even before. So imagine how tense our encounters became during then. Apparently, that tingly feeling was my first love and foolishly i indulged in it but how can you really tame an open vessel for the first time in my life i cared for how i look dressing up for church became exciting i would always make sure my hair was in the right place i even painted my nails the brightest sparkly pink shade in hopes of getting his attention and I did. It would have been better if he'd upfront be vocal about it, but he would be too shy and just show his interest through small gestures. I complained then, not because I wanted something grand, but because my young, foolish heart 
clung to every piece of candy and each plastic wrap he'd leave me to every secret glance I caught and to every touch he'd accidentally plant. He wasn't a big part of my everyday life because we went to different schools. Thursdays and Sundays were my Easter, so I decided to make the preceding days a midsummer. My best friend went to the same school as him, and the desperate kid in me used that as an excuse to transfer. It was my first year in high school, first time to be exposed to a new buzzing environment, which led me, to my surprise, to eventually lose interest in him. It was a good opportunity for the both of us to know each other more, and we didn't seize it. My days were still a solstice, but Thursdays and Sundays became less exciting. Months went by, and my world became less and less of him. By the end of the year, the tides suddenly changed. I started noticing him once again around the campus, but not because I tried to, but because coincidences brought him back to me. I'd wait for my ride after class, and oddly enough, he was always a couple of meters away from me. He wouldn't leave me until I've got my ass on my ride home. He started to get involved with activities I'd be in in church, even changed schedules of services according to mine. He was everywhere, and I let those waves consume me. We've gotten closer in a very silly way. For months, we hadn't exchanged words with one another. Always together, but always silent. We'd only talk when necessary, like asking for something related about managing activities in the church. Those became our saving grace, because that's the closest we could get. Months of proximity, silence, and secret glances as we bathe ourselves with the joy of each other's presence in secrecy. That summer, my mom and I went away for a couple of months to be in her hometown, and he was all over the place days prior. Everybody, including me, knew at that point that he was head over heels, so he was fiddling his way on how he could express himself, and that tension spoke of his worry and a temporary goodbye. On my first night in Davao, I received a text from him. Our first ever exchange of words. I hated that it's through text, but whatever. And as you probably have predicted, yes, it went on for two months. When I got back, we were inseparable. Night walks home, mall dates, late night texting, and he'd even give me phone credits from his dad. He's done every possible thing just so we could talk and be together. He became my world again, and this time around, I was his as well. Most of our friends were very supportive of us, so there were times we'd even dared to be very clingy physically on pool parties and sleepovers. I planned transferring schools again, this time with my best friend, and he practically begged his parents to come with me. 
Long story short, they agreed, and the three of us had been together in the first weeks of the new school year. Despite being a year ahead of me, he made sure to always be around during break times in school. He'd bring me food, walk me home, and just everything I dreamt about doing with him. My classmates normally got curious of him and suspected him my lover. My friends would tease me all day, and you bet I was having the best time of my life. Just beside him, I felt complete and safe and loved. Weeks went by like this, and my mom started suspecting something, so she cut off my phone credits. So our interactions got shorter and brief for most of the following days and nights. People from our church also warned us to be careful because we could get in trouble if the elders knew of a relationship between two minor kids. I got really afraid of that because my mom was one of them. At school, I got very conscious of the eyes of the people that could tell, so I tried to tame him down and tried denying my friend's assumptions. So I talked him through with it and tried to put some distance between us. He promised he'll make me his when I turn 18, and that pledge gave us strength to push through whatever's ahead. Little did I know, I was the only one holding on to that oath as he took more steps back than we planned to. His silhouette lingering by my classroom's threshold became less frequent. I started to eat lunch alone, or silently along with my classmates, took the ride and walk home alone a few days a week until they became weeks and then months. My world was slipping away from me, and as I tried to grasp his fingers back, he curled them up in a fist. That's what I thought. A few minutes before a quiz, one of my friends in class dragged me near the staircase to tell me something. She looked all excited and giddy, fishing out her phone from her pocket and showing me her sweet texts exchange with my lover. He didn't curl his fingers in a fist. He had them entwined with somebody else's. I forced a smile and laughed along with her, even though my mind zoned out as I felt my heart crumble down to pieces. A heavy weight on my chest settled in, and all I can think about at that moment was to keep my calm and try to keep my mind off of it just until after my quiz. I tried. I really did. But right after I finished it, I couldn't hold my tears back anymore. I took out my phone, deleted his number, and our thread of conversations, bolted out the door the second the bell rang off, and ran through the busy campus under the midday sun, trying to find my best friend in the frenzy of people. When I did, I dragged her behind the school's chapel, and she just hugged me as I bawled my eyes out. I felt wronged, so wronged, and even until now, I still can't explain how hurt I was. Every day after that was a waking hell, and I didn't know it was possible to get even worse than that when the news of them dating flooded the school days after I found out. 
I demanded an explanation, and all I got was his silence. Just like old times. I sat idly by that girl along with our group of friends every single day, pretending everything's cool to me. For months, I watched in the background, waiting for an answer, gazing my world in another's arms. I embraced the pain on my own, reaped and planted those seeds all alone, buried in the muddy depths of anger and regret. That pain grew and bloomed inside of me, silently, and I had no other choice but to live with it as the world around me continued to turn. As time comforted these wounds for me, and as it drifted us both on separate ways, I came to realize that what really hurt me the most wasn't because of what happened behind my back and how I never got any form of closure from him, but the unseized possibility of what we could have been, where we could have gone together, hand in hand. Now, four years have gone and passed. We still see each other around in church, like usual throughout those years, and time eventually made us civil friends again without ever talking of what took place like it never happened at all. I see how he is from afar, and I can see he's happy with somebody new. I'm not asking for anything from him anymore, because a part of growing up and maturing down the road is learning to pick the broken pieces up yourself and mending them together back again, no matter how tough and painful it could be. But there are times when a certain place, a couple of songs, particular food, a distinctive scent would lead my train of thoughts back to him. And during those times, I would realize it's possible to miss someone without having to want them back. And I know that there will come a time when I won't feel anything anymore when I'm in that restaurant and shopping alone in that mall, when those songs find their way back on shuffle, when that flavor and scent fill up my senses, when his presence is around, and when our eyes would meet across the room. I know I'm still healing, but I am. I can't wait to let go of that world entirely, with all of my fingers unwrapped off of him. Wow, that was... Uh... That was a roller coaster ride of emotions, don't you think? Um, it's such a strange feeling to relive memories just by reading something like this. Anyways, before we go ahead and talk about the contents of the letter, I just want to tell the sender that you are so, so deserving of a love that never leaves. So, to those of you, who have their one that got away, how are you feeling? Does this letter remind you of a certain someone? Does it reopen scars that you believed were healed already? Actually, um, when I read this letter, I remembered so many things from the past. I truly understand what the sender felt Although, I have to say, this message broke my heart in more ways than I thought it would. Not just because it reminded me of my own experiences, but because it was just so heartfelt, 
so raw and so real. If I remember correctly, the sender and her first love, they were both in high school when this happened. And when we're young, we really fall in love hard. I mean, that's just how it is. Because it's your first love, everything just revolves around them. Every single thing. Like nothing else matters. The person becomes your world, and you're lucky if you become theirs, because <laughs> that's not always the case. It's all fun and games until your heart breaks for the first time. You don't know what to do, you cry every single night, multiple times a day, you just don't know what to do with yourself. And the fact that Sender had to sit at lunch with the girl who took her man, <laughs> I think things like that mess you up. And as the saying goes, pain changes people. I truly believe that. And in this situation, I think it really changed the sender. I mean, who wouldn't change if that happened to them, right? Okay, and I also wanted to shed light on this. Her first love is also her one that got away. Now, to those who have their one that got away... It's a bit difficult to not associate the person with what ifs or what could have beens. It might even feel like those thoughts are permanently attached to them. Like whenever you think about them, a bunch of follow-up questions just pop up. And next thing you know, you're creating a million different scenarios in your head that might never even happen. This is something I've experienced and it really messed with my head because one minute you're fine but then a simple thought triggers you and all you want to do is forget. Also, I'm going to share something with you but I'll try to do it as briefly as possible. So like the sender, my first love and my one that got away just happens to be the same person. At first, I thought that my first boyfriend was my first love, but years and years later, that's when I realized that it wasn't. My first love, he was a friend of mine, and we were really good friends, best friends even. And for the longest time, I just avoided falling into that trap. You know how they say that it's impossible not to fall in love with your best friend? Well, I believe that, of course, that isn't the case for everyone, but for as long as I can remember, I tried to just shrug it off. I tried my best to keep it platonic, and I really thought I was successful until about three years ago, when we were both much older and knew more about life, that was when I realized that he was my first love. I didn't act upon it because, number one, we were thousands of miles away from each other, literally, since I'd already moved overseas, and number two, we were both in a relationship at that time, so yes, I might have realized it too late. Mm, some of you might want to ask if I tried to tell him at least, and the answer is... I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't really know what to say, and he was happy. I was too. 
I didn't want to ruin anything or risk anything at all just because of something I should have realized way sooner. But of course, that doesn't make things less painful because around the same time, I also realized that he was or is my one that got away. And there's nothing I can do about that. Even if I wanted to run away from the thoughts clouding my mind, I just couldn't because just like the sender, something will always remind me of him. That's just the way it is, I guess. You'll be haunted by the ghost of what or who you couldn't have. Now that I think about it, I don't even remember the last time we had an actual conversation. We kind of just drifted, I guess. I'd be I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want the conciliation, but as the saying goes, we always want what we can't have. But who knows, right? Maybe one day when we're much older and when someone up there decides to make our paths cross again, maybe we'll know. But if that doesn't happen, then it's okay. Again, like the sender said, you can miss someone without wanting them back. And if that's the case, then to whoever brought my first love to me, I will always be thankful for knowing that I got to know this person who impacted my life in so many ways. And he probably doesn't even know that, but I'm very thankful. So to my first love, who also happens to be my one that got away, thank you for everything. Thank you so much. I think I learned how to love because of you and you were just an amazing friend. You're such an amazing person. I am very proud of you and the person you've become. Man, even my mom is proud of you. You guys don't even talk. But that aside, I pray for your happiness always. I want to pull a line from this show called The Hundred. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's on Netflix. But to you, if you're listening, may we meet again. <laughs> All right, enough about me. So back to the sender and her letter. First of all, I know that one day the right person will come into your life and you wouldn't have to question whether or not you're enough or whether or not you're worth fighting for because the answer is always going to be a yes. You're always going to be worth fighting for. You're always going to be worth staying for and you're always going to be worth choosing. Second, when something is truly for you, you wouldn't have to beg and you wouldn't have to force things to happen. It'll just happen naturally. You're going to have everything that's meant for you when it's time for you to have it. I know it's easy to say and not going to lie, even I have trouble reminding myself sometimes, but what's meant for you 
will always find its way to wherever you are, no matter how long it takes, because in the end, it'll be worth it. Lastly, while you're healing, please take care of yourself. Some days will be worse than the others, but please be nice to yourself. Love yourself the way you would love somebody else. Again, this is easier said than done, but it's so important. Love yourself a little more every day, step by step, and be the person that loves you enough to fill the void. This obviously isn't an overnight thing, maybe not even something you can achieve in a month or two, but investing in yourself should be a top priority. When things get rough and you're falling apart, love yourself through and through until the only thing broken is the word broken and all that's left for you to do is bloom the way you deserve to. Alright, you've reached the end of the episode, so please follow the podcast and our Twitter at OTTLAF underscore pods if you haven't already. Also, share the podcast with your friends. They might just find something here too. And if you have letters you want me to read, go ahead and send me a DM on Twitter again at OTTLAF underscore pods. Thanks for listening and like always... May your letters be the reason you end up found. Bye!